Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley. Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com and also find us at uh, Podcast One. Brought to you by SCR Northern. They're the guys with Old Man Winter on the vehicle. And Ernie's on Gull, an experience in dining on the shores of Gull Lake. Open year-round at 11 with deck and patio seating. Ernie's is your happy place. Ernie's is one of your happy places, Chris. It's a beautiful spot. It is one of my favorite places. That's kind of my go-to spot. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> nothing, nothing better than a Sunday afternoon sitting out there listening to a little music on the, uh, either at On Point or on uh, the deck at Ernie's. Adult beverage, perhaps? Uh, one or two. <laughs> That's, right. <laughs> That's right. That's enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, we were just talking off Mike last week's tournament. Emilio Grillo, great for his career. He gets a win and uh, qualifies for a lot of things, but it wasn't scintillating uh, as far as the PGA Tour went uh, this last week. Some of these elevated tournaments that they're calling them are really, uh, I think, taken away from some of the uh, more satellite outside type tournaments. Well, you know, the, the, so many times anyway after the week after a major like this was you yeah. you have a, a guys take off and it's a weaker field but uh yeah it uh, i think they're going to ha- they're they're definitely going to do some adjusting of the schedule in 2024 and um you know the elevated events i think there's still going to be some adjusting on but they they really have to uh, address the the events outside of the elevated events to ensure that uh you know they have a strong field and that people really want to want to tune in and watch them so right yeah and minneapolis is kind of one of the perfect examples of that or has, yeah. has been yeah it sounds like what i was just reading briefly i didn't read though i saw something this morning about bunching the elevated tournaments with the majors so you got uh, what about four months of pretty much big tournaments in a row so that i wonder if that'll be interesting to see yeah i think i think it's going to you know long term it's going to be good and i think they're going to follow much more of the calendar year yeah. rather than kind of splitting the season between two years which has always created a lot of confusion and um you know one with again one of the good things that's become uh, or that's happened because of uh liv yeah, true. Yeah, LIV. I actually watched a little LIV this week. I haven't watched much this year, but it was pretty entertaining. And uh, uh, one thing about that is it's like an elevated tournament because all the all the big names have to play in all their tournaments. So, um, you know, camera pans around the course, and you get Sergio and Phil and Kepka was right there. And yeah, uh, did. Uh who won that match? Harold Varner was that the winner? Yeah, Varner got the win. Yeah, he he hung in there really well. He had some big names breathing down his neck, and he stayed between eight, nine. Finally, got to ten, I think, and that was enough to win it. It was not easy going over the weekend. So he he'll be a, he's a popular player. Good to see him win. Yeah, that's his that's his first win on on U.S. soil too. So yeah, uh, yeah good thing for him this week i like the marketing of the pga uh um what do they call it the most uh an- anticipated handshake in golf i think the memorial <laughs> right that's a that's a pretty good uh, that's a pretty good take because i think 
you know, with Arnie gone, it probably is now with Jack. That's the that's the hand that all the golfers want to shake, and uh, Jack's the host of the memorial. So, winner gets to shake well, his hand yeah. and get a congratulations. And, and anytime you get to spend time with the goat, um, yeah, you know, arguably the goat, uh, you're you, it's pretty special, and and the the, the players all want to. They want to be around Jack and pick his brain and uh, let some of his greatness rub off on him. Yeah, yeah. He, no argument for me. I would choose him as the GOAT. It's a great conversation, though, because nobody can ever win those conversations, and Tiger's certainly in the conversation. So, But even Tiger noted the one, the one big difference in their stats is 19 major, 18 majors for Jack and 19 seconds. <laughs> yeah, that, that that that's amazing, and uh, when you think about uh, the number of times he was in con- contention, uh, you know, there's never been another player like him. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Wow. So yeah, that one uh, that's big this week. That really is a is a good kickoff, and in between a major and the U.S. Open is an awfully good slot for Jack's tournament, of course. Yeah, no doubt, and uh, you know, big, big uh, after the memorial. Then you've got the longest day in golf, which is the uh, the sectional qualifying for the U.S. Open. So, yeah, this is a good time of year for you, sectional, and then uh, I know you love some of the uh, some of the college and game as it gets to this point in the season. Gets pretty uh, pretty scintillating this time of year as far as the teams coming down the stretch, both men and women. Yeah, you know, the NCAA's just wrapped up in the last couple of days. And, uh, uh, you know, we had uh, David Ford on from Clift a couple of weeks ago. And uh, uh, the two, well, the NCAA champions uh, in, women's go- or in women's golf, Wake Forest, are a Clip user. And Georgia Tech, the runner up for the, on the men's side, was also a Clip user. So, uh, pretty good stuff from, uh, from our friends at Clipped. That's good for David, huh? Yes, sir. <laughs> Down the road, yeah. That's it. It was a that was a good segment. Interesting, very interesting product. So, uh, not surprising that they would use it at that level for sure. What yes, do you, for sure. What do you know about Jack's course, uh, Chris? Well, it's, you know, it's it's one of the the great courses on the PGA Tour. It's very hard they've remodeled it um with it, it's kind of in a constant state of remodel but uh uh they've remodeled it uh two years ago and the players seem to really like it and it's uh it, it's always a great test you lined us up a special guest today chris uh that's coming up yeah we've got a good friend of mine chandler withington on who is the former uh uh, director of golf at Hazeltine National. That's on a, a new jersey, a new journey, and we're going to get to hear uh, hear all about it here shortly. All right, we're back with some of that right after this. You're listening to Lakes Woods and Irons on the Fan. Welcome back to Lakes Woods and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald, with you. 1380 KLIZ, the Fan, streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com, and also find us on podcast podcast one, and really wherever you find your podcast. This uh, segment brought to you in part by Whitefish Golf Course in Pequot Lakes, an experience that never disappoints. One of the area's premier 18-hole championship courses 
and also by Holiday Stores on Mill Avenue in Cross Lake and on Excelsior Road next to Cub Foods. Very special guest Chandler Withington is with us. We'll let Chris handle the introductions. I want to welcome to the show my good friend Chandler Worthington. Chandler is the uh, former director of golf at Hazeltine National and has uh, embarked on a new journey with uh, uh, Archive 22, which is uh, he's doing some really, really cool artwork. So welcome to the show, Chandler. No, Chris, thanks so much for having me on. I always enjoy spending time with you. So uh, I'm going to enjoy this. Thanks so much. You bet. Chandler, for those of you who don't know, you've been on our show in the past, but those of you who don't know us, give, a, give us a little bit about your background and where where you've come from. Well, I, like you, I've had a life in golf. I uh, got into the, to the game at the age of 14 and um, decided to go down the road of becoming a, a PGA golf professional. So I'm from the East Coast, uh, originally from New Jersey, kind of bounced around up and down the East Coast as an assistant and then had the wonderful opportunity to come out here in uh, the winter of 2013 uh, to become the head golf professional at Hazeltine, uh, where I was up until the fall of 21. Um, and my family and I just changed directions and wanted to try something else in the golf space. And uh, that kind of leads us to what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Yeah. Well, t- tell me, tell me what inspired you to get into, uh, you know, do your, your artwork and archive 22, which is the name of your new company. Well, I, th- I think it, it all kind of goes back to th- that was actually my first dream as a kid. I wanted to be an architect. And I think that was really inspired by uh, taking trips uh, with my dad as a as a young kid, you know, ages 10, 11, 12, around the country. He had a chance to take me to the old ballparks that existed in the late 80s, you know, up to uh, when it was still in Montreal at Olympic Stadium or Old Tiger Stadium or Comiskey Park or Old Candlestick or the Astrodome in Houston. I was so captivated by how different these buildings could be and i would just i had such an interest in architecture so i was always drawn blueprints as a kid i think my dream was you know this was shortly after you had places like camden yards come back in 1989 in baltimore that i would be a part of, of building these next great stadiums in our country and the harsh reality chris for me was uh, i just didn't have the grades to pursue it i, I wasn't a, a really applied student <laughs> Uh, so for all the kids that are listening, study hard. You'll have a lot more options than I did. But at, but at the same time, I, I started discovering the game of golf at age 14. And I was I was falling just as much in love with the game of golf. And um, I, I wouldn't view the road that I took as some kind of side road or back road or um, deferred road. Um, it's the one I went down and uh, had a blessed road. Uh, but that's really where it started was just want to be an architect as a kid. And, and tell us, you know, tell us about your artwork and what you're doing now. Well, so what I'm doing now, I'm, I'm not drawing blueprints uh, for stadiums or anything like that. I, I still didn't figure out uh, the engineering side of it. But, Chris, where this all kind of started was uh, in the fall of 2018, uh, my wife and I welcomed our third daughter into the world. Her name's Charlotte. And we had a smooth delivery. Uh, you feel bad saying we. It was more of my wife was doing all the delivering, not me. <laughs> uh, but everything went smoothly and but it was after the delivery that um you know we caught something uh with my wife she had a blood clot in her lungs which um i had never heard the words pulmonary embolism before in my life um it's a pretty scary situation uh thankfully we had some great doctors around us uh the the, the team at the icu at abbott that were able to treat it and, and thankfully we were able to resume life as a family but that winter was really, you know, my wife saying to me, look, I, I know you normally travel, but, you know, please stay close to home. This all kind of shook us up. And 
we didn't know what was going to happen tomorrow. So, you know, winters in Minnesota, you live with me for the most part. They're they're cold and dark and lonely. And, um, you know, I'm like you. I read a lot of books. I don't watch a lot of TV. And I was kind of looking for something else to do. So um, I just want to kind of dust off that childhood interest of drawing. Um, but I wanted to combine it with who I've become now, which is I, I appreciate the game, the history, the courses, the champions, and, and all the people that we share the game with as golf professionals. And I, I wanted things on my walls that would initiate conversations on the game of golf, you know, whether that was, you know, courses or people or championships or moments <clears throat> and just get people talking. And I think what I envisioned, you know, it just didn't exist. Um, so I, I took a shot at drawing it myself and that's exactly what it was, Chris. It was for myself. I, it was just for my wall. I didn't envision anybody else would ever want my scribble around them, but um, it, it, it had the effect that I thought it would. Uh, once I had it up on my office walls and you know, I, I know somebody like you would walk in and you'd gravitate towards the open championship. And and we'd end up talking about golf in Scotland, which I know you're passionate about. And I think that's what I wanted to uncover about people is, you know, what are you passionate about? Where have you been? What have you seen? Who do you know? And why do you love the game? And um, the pieces that I've created, I've started those conversations and I'm so thankful they have. Um, so that's where it started. It, there's been a lot that's come along since just in launching a company, but that's really where it started. You know, one of, I, I've always thought one of your best attributes is that you're a great storyteller. And really your artwork, it, it's all about telling a story. And, uh, you know, kind of the, the, the Walker Cup one, I think the Walker Cup was your initial. Uh, well, the, yeah, the U.S. Open in 2019 was my first stab at kind of drawing all these logos and uh, just listing the champions and their scores underneath it. And then then I just kept going. I, I went to the Ryder Cup, um, drew the U.S. Open, or sorry, the Open Championship, and um, and then uh, yeah, the Walker Cup piece for Seminole uh, was a funny story because um, the, if you go back to 2020, we're all right in the midst of COVID. This was Christmas of 20. Uh, everyone in the world is COVID testing to make sure that we're not getting together at the holidays with our people. And uh, lo and behold, sure enough, I, I go ahead and test, and, and I've got it, and I'm the only one in my family that's got it. And uh, this was back when you had to quarantine for a week. So my wife sent me down to the basement and uh, said, I'll see you in a week. And uh, I just said, look, can you can you send down uh, my drawing stuff? I'll I'll just draw away while I'm down here. And uh, the Walker Cup was coming up at Seminole the next year. And I still took that that architectural approach you know, to draw in the clubhouse at Seminole. That, that's kind of what I was doing as a kid was those kind of renderings of buildings and Chris, again, it was just me messing around. It, if it was any good, I was going to give it to Bob Ford as kind of a, a congratulatory gift because he was retiring from Seminole the next spring. And But so much of this, as you can tell, was, was just accidental. Um, it, I wasn't drawing this for, for any purpose of launching a business or even thinking about monetizing. You know, monetizing wasn't even in the in the conversation because all these these logos belong to all these clubs. You know, we'll, we'll never be able to sell this stuff. Um but to your point about storytelling, I, I appreciate you saying that because I've, I've tried to remind people here, it's it's kind of like an author, you know, an author writes a book and then um, engages people in the storytelling around it and then and then listens to the to people that read it on what their experiences are. And I think that's what we've tried to do here with the artwork is we've created something, but what stories lie within? And there's so many. And um, I would tell you just being at the PGA Championship last week in Oak Hill, uh, for example, I'd I'd have people walk up to my desk and they point at 1980. This one guy walks up and he goes, 1980, I got to carry for Jack during some of the practice rounds. And I'm like, 
please tell me everything about that. And that's, that's the beauty of it is these stories that get told from it. Everyone has a different attachment to it in a moment uh, that they want to talk about. And um, if things go well, we usually end up, uh, you know, having a couple of drinks and, and talking the night away once we get, once we get started. Well, that's awesome. I, I love that. So what, uh, you know, t- tell me about, you've always liked logos and we've, t- t- what, what are your, what are some of your favorite logos golf wise? Yeah, I get asked this question a lot. Um, what are the great logos? Um, look, I, I immediately have a bias because I worked six years and as an assistant at Marion, I think it's one of the more distinctive logos with the wicker basket yeah. in the sky room. And, you know, there's a background to that. It's that logo was created by the former professional Bill Kittleman. Um, I believe the story was you just looking at his office window and kind of saw the wicker basket on 18 with the scotch broom in the forefront and drew what we all know today. Um, and then you think about places like Sleepy Hollow with the Headless Horseman. Um, but I, I'm more partial to the the logos that are on the Open Championship artwork, you know, the old shields, um, the St. Andrew's Crest. Um, uh, think about places like Troon or, you know, even Musselboro or um, uh, Port Rush or things like that. I, I like the, the more historical ones that have just been around for centuries. Um, but, you know, I appreciate some of the, the more subtle, colorful, newer, simpler ones uh, that you see today. Um, I, I love interlocking letters like San Francisco Golf Club or Shore Acres or things like that or the squirrels at Country Club or Oakmont. It's, I think the power of logos, you know, when we wear them around, you know, is, you know, it tells me where you've been. And, and if you're wearing something from St. Andrews, I'm going to want to ask you, like, tell me about your last trip. Um, what, what, what was memorable about it? And um, I think that's the power of logos. They just start conversations. For sure. You know, it, it's interesting that the St. Andrews logo, the, the old course is the most iconic golf course in the world. Everybody, but they, they really don't have an official logo. Yeah, I, I've always found that very odd that uh, I think it, if you look back on history, and I don't know the history of this, but I, I think it at some point it just got away from them. Yeah. And there were all these different logos. I, do you know the, any of the history of that? Jim? Well, to your point, it's, you know, if you don't copyright it and claim it, somebody else will. That's just the nature of the beast, right? But I think... The, the logo of San Andrew with the cross, you know, it was just so uh, symbolic of that town yes. that I think once, once people start to understand that logos actually make money and there's there is a business and a revenue behind it, you know, it's kind of an arms race to claim it. So I don't know the backstory of that either. Hopefully uh, you and I will get to the bottom of that when we spend time in San Andrews this fall. Absolutely. For the Walker Cup. I can't wait. Uh, how about, you know, you're, you're a huge sports fan and uh, especially hockey. Uh, what, what about some of your, your favorite logos outside of, uh, golf? Boy, that's, that's a great question. And I've, I've got to start giving this some more thought because I'm starting to get asked that question more often. Um, I would, you know, I think from a drawing standpoint and, you know, for the listeners to kind of understand how I draw, I I draw a lot of logos, but I don't trace anything. You know, I try to take an architectural approach. If, if you get on my Instagram, which is my name at Chandler Withington, I, I try to show a lot of time lapses. Uh, I basically start with a sheet of paper. I, I measure the logos, um, try to pick out some of the key elements, and I just measure and, and recreate and try to draw it as close as I can. Um, it's kind of perfectly imperfect, uh, but I really enjoy the logos that have a lot of detail in it. Um, that That's a fun thing for me. you know. So 
Um, you mentioned hockey. I'm, I'm drawing some of the logos for the original six teams right now. And uh, I'm about to draw the Detroit Red Wings logo, which has, you know, all those feathers of the wing uh, in the wheel, just representing the Motor City. But um, I think there's a lot of stories behind logos that we just we haven't uncovered yet that I want to start telling, too. There's a lot of elements. Um, you see a lot of stuff on social media, like, for example, um, sometimes there are things there are elements in a logo that you, you never saw before, but you can't unsee it once you see it. Like the Milwaukee Brewers logo with the glove, you know, there's the B within the logo and then there's the M. And, you know, for the longest time, I didn't see that. So. Um, I appreciate logos that have a story and these subtleties and are well thought out. And it's, it's hard to come up with a good logo that's recognizable, but um, the best ones I think are, you know, have some color, have some intrigue, they're identifiable. And, uh, and most importantly, they embroider well when they go on clothing, because that is the walking billboard, right? For sure. Yeah. You're listening to our conversation with Chandler Withington, former head professional at Hazeltine, and now has started up a terrific new company called Archive 22. Back with more of that interview after this. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ, also 105.1 FM. And find us streaming at uh, lakeswoodsandirons.com. And also wherever you look for your podcasts, look for us under Lakes, Woods, and Irons. This uh, segment brought you in part by the Tea Hive, featuring custom apparel for your businesses, events, teams, families, online at teahive.com. Also by Shannon's Auto Body, with a new location now to better serve the Brainerd Lakes area. Thanks to our sponsors on Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Now back to our conversation with Chandler Withington. Uh, are you are you going to be at the U.S. Open, Chandler, in a couple weeks? I am. And, and this road I'm on right now, Chris, with just launching this company um, in December of last year, I try to, to summarize what this journey has been like. Um, when, when I left Hazeltine in the fall of 21, it, like you, I have three kids, and it, it was just a decision solely focused on spending more time with my family. I, I had such a, like I said before, a blessed road as a golf professional. It's something I miss and I'm passionate about, um, but I love my family as well. We were just looking for something that would give me a little more flexibility to be a more visible role in their life at this, such a young age. They're, they're 11, 7, and 4 right now. And we didn't know what that was. I, you know, I thought, you know, maybe I go work for Dick's Sporting Goods. You know, there's other things I can do here. Um, an article came out of my artwork that Christmas and kind of maybe nudged us in the direction that we were going. But as you heard, as you heard me share a little earlier, I, the biggest thing with the things that I created was take the U.S. Open. There's 51 logos on there that don't belong to me. So what are, what are we going to do here? You know, I'm, I'm not going to all these without the permission of these clubs and I'm, I'm friends with all these people um so we went back to the usga and uh they were on board but they said look you've you've got to go through the process of getting all these clubs on board so um it was a door-to-door approach of you know here's what we've created here's what this means for you here's what an agreement would look like for both of us um what do you think and i wasn't sure how that was going to go it's never been done before it's a new request foreign to everyone um but I think as time went along, uh, what really happened, Chris, was, um, you know, take a prominent club here in the Midwest, you know, kind of looked at it and said, look, it, we've never given our logo for any commercial use for something like this. So that, that's kind of a non-starter. But we'll say this, uh, we're really proud of our association with the USGA and in the US Open. We're proud of our history. And this is, this is really tastefully done. Um, if this is still going by the end, 
come back to us and we won't get in the way. If this is something else, you know, if this is something that everyone else wants, um, we'll want it as well. And, and thankfully everyone was able to kind of think the same way. And, but that process took six months, you know, and it probably took years off my life um, because I think 98% of <laughs> sure that it wouldn't get done. Um, but we got it done. And once the U S open got done, um, the PGA fell in about four months later and we've now been able to release the Ryder cup. Um, I'm excited to share that I'm, I'm redrawing the Claret jug for the open championship artwork right now. And we're going to release that piece in August. And then, um, there's something outside of golf that I'm, I'm going after pretty hard right now. It's become a passion of mine. Um, it's in another sport. And, um, I go to New York city to meet with some of the, the decision makers in July to see if we can get it across the finish line. And if we do, um, you know, I, I say this humbly, but it will turn heads if I can get it done. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, we're, we're going to be at the U S open, which a year ago I would have said, there's no chance of any of this. Um, but you know, thankfully the USGA is really proud of it. You know, being at the PGA championship last month, uh, they were proud because it, it tells their story of their championship in a, in a clear and artistic way. And I think once people are drawn into it, it you know, we want people to be engaged in the history. We want people to understand how did we get here from 1895 with, I think, you know, 12 or 22 players, however many played in the first U.S. Open to the, you know, 13,000 or so that enter and try to qualify for the U.S. Open today. How did we get here? And uh, to your point earlier, I just. I'm a storyteller. And I want to be involved in that story and uh, highlighting some of the, the crucial turning points for sure. Uh, it's creativity cool. seems to be the uh, common point. Chandler golf takes a lot of creativity. I'm guessing running Hazeltine took a lot of creativity, storytelling, artwork. What do you see down the road in 10 years, the next creative venture or is, or, or is this it? Well, we wanted to start with the artwork. Uh, no, thanks, Colin. I appreciate you asking. I, I think we wanted to start with the artwork um, to get a product out there. And, uh, you know, same way as like Tom Coyne uses his books to travel and engage people. You know, Tom is the the journey storyteller. You know, he goes on these journeys. Um, you know, I want to engage audiences, too, on, on my life in golf and the lessons that I've learned through it. And what message would I want to share with people? I want to remind them all the reasons why they love the game. Um, and I want to heighten their, their love of it and make their kids want to play. Um, so storytelling, I think, will happen in a number of avenues. Um, I think public speaking uh, being one of them. Um, and then I think we'll get into some writing as well, Colin. I, you know, writing is something I'm passionate about as well. Chris knows how much I love to read. So um, how do we take what I've learned and, and put it into word um, that uh, people can learn from it? And um, But my personal mission statement is still kind of the same. It's to have a positive impact on the lives of, of, of other people around me. And it's just, it's looking differently than it has for the last 20 years. That's all. You know, uh, I don't want, we're running up against your time, but uh, one did, you, you have such a, a passion for the Ryder Cup and not too many people know more about the Ryder Cup than you do, but tell us about your journey and your connection starting when you were, you know, 14 and meeting Davis Love and how all that kind of came full circle for you? Well, I think what you just said about it coming full circle, um, we'll, we'll go back to 1992 at Harbortown. Um, I'd never seen golf, never touched a golf club. I didn't have any friends that played golf. We were staying at a house on Harbortown the week of the PGA tournament in April on our spring break, and my cousins all played, and they were able to get me to go out to the golf course and watch golf. But, you know, this is keep in mind, this is five years before Tiger. I mean, Golf was an old man's game, you know, guys who dress, who dress poorly that weren't athletes. 
Um, <laughs> along came a younger player who, you know, hit a driver out of sight and, and made it look fun and cool. And of course, that was Davis. We followed him around. He ended up winning. So that was my start uh, in my interest in, in golf. I came home and started caddying and learning how to play. But my education as a kid was was VCR. And if we can remember those three letters, that's pretty foreign. Um, but we had VCR <laughs> whenever he and um, I would just try to rewind and play and go in my backyard and imitate what he was doing. That was my my uh, introduction to the game of golf. And 12 years later, I got to meet him uh, while I was at Seminole and caddy for him. And that was a nervous experience for me because I know a lot of people that you meet your heroes and it's a disappointing experience, but uh, it was the complete opposite for me. Uh, he could not have been more encouraging of my road or more supportive of me and nicer to me. And you know, I thought that was a, a once in a lifetime thing, but we ended up doing that again the next year and getting to know each other a little bit. And um, yeah, I mean, it's all the stars line up and I end up uh, being at Hazeltine and he ends up getting a second chance as a captain in the 2016 Ryder Cup. And um, I think once we found out that Davis was going to be involved, I just completely immersed myself in trying to understand why, why USA wasn't winning these things and how can we set ourselves up for success at Hazeltine and Chris, I know you know how much is there. It's so much more to, to pack into five minutes. But, yeah. uh, you know, I think that we end up, and of course, USA wins the Ryder Cup. That was a magical moment. Um, and I think part of that just played into my decision to go a different route was to go to have gone through an experience like that. Um, the, the Ryder Cup's going back to Hazeltine in 2029. But for everyone else, it's going to be a great memory. I, I don't know if anything could ever beat 2016 for me. It, right. it just can't. Um, so I, I kind of took that as my, like, that was my chapter, you know, uh, Hazeltine has a wonderful pro right now and I'm Kyle Brandt. It's going to be a wonderful chapter in his life. if He's still there in, in a number of years, but, um, I find myself in New York city the next fall and, uh, Davis is going in the hall of fame and he said something kind of echoed what you just said. He, he said, look, if you stick around the game of golf long enough, the things that have been in your life will come full circle. If you just keep your eyes open and, um, my relationship with Davis was a, was a big picture of that. And I'm so glad that our roads intersected and we have the memories that we do because of it. That's uh, so cool. I love that. <laughs> well, uh, Chandler, tell us about, uh, or how, how do people find uh, your artwork, find out more about you? You have a great Instagram page uh, that you do some great videos on you doing your artwork and some other things. So. No, thanks. Uh, you know, we have a website, which is, it's pretty bare bones right now. We're going to start adding to it. Uh, you know, as a young company, we just wanted to get up and, and live and, and be able to have a storefront. So you can find us on our website. Our company name is Archive22. That's Archive and the numbers 22. Our website's archive22.com. And you mentioned my Instagram, Chandler Withington. So Chris, right now, we, we primarily have three pieces, three major championship pieces of artwork, the U.S. Open, the Ryder Cup and the PGH Championship are all for sale on our website. Uh, you'll also see them for sale at the past host sites. You know, so they sell at the past hosts. You know, like like Interlock and Hazeltine and Minicata for the U.S. Open here. Uh, soon, uh, Keller in Minneapolis Golf Club will be some other ones that are selling the PGA Championship here in, in Minnesota. Oh. So, um, you know, when you play, I think when you play some of the major championship courses, you're going to start seeing it and. Um, I think that's a, a, a point of emphasis is when you play in a major championship golf course, like you should know where you are that day. And, I, and hopefully they see my artwork smiling back at you when you get there. And uh, it gives you a sense of purpose and where you are. Um, so uh, that's our website. That's our story. And, and I shared with you and I'm sure you can remind listeners once we wrap up, but 
Uh, for anybody's listening today, if you want to go on the website, we give you 15% off your purchase if you use code FOLEY15. So that's FOLEY, just like Chris's last last name, F-O-L-E-Y-15 for a 15% discount. And uh, we appreciate everyone just checking us out or giving us a look or giving me a follow on social media. We, we feel like we're just getting started and uh, trying to tell our story on on uh, platforms like yours today. No, that's awesome, Chandler. Yeah, we'll 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 put that in the show notes and everything, so people have a link to it. So, uh, I really appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing your story, and uh, look forward to getting you back on the show again soon. You got it. You know, I'm always ready to talk golf. You know, you, you know, artwork aside, and everything that's going on with the game. Um, I love talking golf, so I appreciate shows like yours. Thanks so much. Thank you, Chandler. Thanks, Chandler. Yep. Thank you. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ, The Fan. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, The Fan. Also find us at uh, lakeswoodsandirons.com and wherever your podcasts are sold. We'll feature my dad, my late father, Ron McDonald. Everybody has somebody out there who influenced them in the game, so we're going to, I had to, fortunate to talk to dad when he was still pretty mentally sharp and uh, he's gone now but he had memories of the uh, uh, playing golf in Scotland and the, seeing the British Open when he was late in life and uh, he has some comments and you might uh, probably have someone in your life who you picked up the love for the game and this is the guy who did it for me my dad Ron McDonald and I talking a little golf. I learned in Scotland something I never forgot and it's true the starter there was a guy named McLeod at Royal Dornoch, which I had read about for years, and all the famous golfers would go there and practice before the Open, wherever the Open was being played. <coughs> if it, was, it might be at St. Andrews or Carnoustie or one of those, but they'd go there for their first week because it wouldn't be too crowded and just tourists. And uh, there's photographs of all of them who played their thing. Tom Watson said it was the best course in the world. Freddie Couple said, terrific golf course. But McLeod, who was a starter there for years, because we saw him two years in a row, he said, I, I said, we're new here, Mr. McLeod. Give us a tip on the golf course. I've had two boys. When you get for your second shot, no matter what you think, hit one more club. And the reason for that is all the troubles in front. There's no trouble in back. So if you get to the back of the green, you're in no trouble. You're just, you're on the green. In front, there are bunkers and hills and hollows and, you know, weeds. So one club more. Well, you know, on most golf courses, one club more is the best advice you can get for your second shot. You think, gee, well, I can make that with a five. Uh, yeah, if you hit a sweet, but if you hit a four, even you're going to certainly going to get there. So I always remember that. That improved my game a whole lot. I went back the next year. Pete and I, Pete and I went to Scotland to see the British Open. That was 1994, the year John Daly won it. Huge crowd. You have no idea. And here we are, first walking up at St. Andrews to get to the golf course and we run into a couple that we knew in Olympia. <laughs> Amazing. 
and we swam wandered around you know watching a, a, an open is there isn't a hell of a lot of fun on the journey so far away from the folks and, and uh st andrews was interesting because the closing holder is so tough you know part three hole a dog leg left with the building that came into play, and you had to fade your ball so it wouldn't go into the building. And uh, it's really not much of a track because several of the greens, they use uh, two flags, two different holes. Uh, it's, and, I, and they have a rule in Scotland that since the golf course is owned by the public, it's the city, it's closed to golf on Sunday. And that's when parents picnic with their families go out on them with their kids, you know. And we played, um, there's a golf course called The Princess, I think. I don't know what Princess is named after, but it goes up the coast. You can see the water all the way up the North Sea and then back. And it's just a hell of a nice golf course. And there's an airfield right next to it. You could see British planes coming in. And uh, that's because they got a lot, a lot of room to, to, to fly. And at, at uh, a golf course in northern Scotland, there's a golf course where there's a hole, the tee is high, and the fighter planes come in so, so close you can we could look in the cockpit window and see a guy with a mustache flying the plane. I mean, that's pretty close. And they're, jet, they're jets, of course, and they go wrong where your head and knock you down. <laughs> I can't think of the name of that course. It was a public course, of course. But Carnoustie was the best. We played a course in Inverness, which wasn't much, just a public course. Carnoustie was your favorite? Carnoustie, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that I had ever played in my life. It went straight up the beach, and the sand dunes are 50 feet high. I mean, you think of sand dunes on a beach, but there you had to climb stairs to get up to some of the tees. Still one for you. How many times did you and Pete go over? Twice. Oh. 94 and 93. 93 was. I was going to go, I put it, kept putting it off, you know, for, for years. And I said, 93 is it or, or I ain't going to make it. My dad was always sad he never got to Scotland. And he wanted to go with me. And I thought, well, that ain't going to go work. You know, what am I going to do with my father? What's he going to do all day while I'm playing golf? Well, he really, he really was too old for it, and I didn't press him on it. And at Carnoustie, which is quite a track, it's a flat track with a lot of water. Tough for the hang though, especially the finishing holes. But I didn't realize, I, I knew it in St. Andrews and, Car and Carnoustie. The, pro, the, the, the golf course and the pro shop, they don't sell anything. Not golf sticks or golf shirts. They sell golf balls, of course, and tees. But all the shops around are privately owned shops that sell all this gear. Same at St. Andrews. I don't know if it's a city policy. It must be. But when we played Carnoustie, it was a busy place. Oh, oh, oh. 
tough, tough track. I, I can see some of those closing all over water and bunkers and sure. Get down in the bunker over your head, I suppose, huh? Well, if you get down in a pot bunker. Yeah, well, I never did. But I looked in them, they're like five feet down. And they're just enough width so you can take a golf swing. <laughs> Talk about hard to get a ball up that quick. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, we watched uh, John Daly win it. An Italian was leading by one. And John Daly was off the green about, I don't know, 60, 70 yards. And he was disconsolate because the Italian had made a birdie and dropped John to second place. And Daly was nothing but not a tender guy. He was crying after he saw that shot. You know. And here's a guy who's the world's great playboy who dresses like, doesn't dress like a golfer or act like one, God knows. Not the smartest guy who ever lived. So the rest of the guy, Watson and all the others, get a hold of him and say, for Christ's sake, come on, you can beat that. <laughs> Hit it up on the green. Make the putt and you win. It's exactly what he did. He said from 60 yards out, eats it up and rolls up right close to the cup. Bingo, the Italian's history. <laughs> so that was one of uh, many conversations that I had with my dad, Ron McDonald, my late father now. Fun to have that memory down, and uh, there were a lot of golf stories, as you might guess. He loved the game and uh, transferred that love to me. Uh, I'm not as dedicated as he was about getting out on the course and playing, however. Uh, but uh, you probably all have someone in your life, so hopefully that's a little bit of a personal indulgence, uh, that segment, but hope you found it somewhat interesting. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ.